0: today's advanced training we're going to talk about major leadership attributes major leadership attributes now um this is um, this is not new information. It's not even my information. It's sort of my commentary on old information. Uh, the resource that I'm referring here to is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Uh, I won't do a book report on this book right now. I will say if you're reading a self-help book or a self-improvement book and it doesn't at least cite Think and Grow Rich in the bibliography, then you shouldn't be reading it. Because <laughs> I mean, the, the person that's writing the book is a liar and they're trying to take the information as their own. This is sort of a cornerstone book out there for having a better life. Um, Think and Grow Rich is about, is about thinking and then doing and, and, and having a richer, more fulfilled life afterwards. Uh, Napoleon Hill wrote this book based on the tycoons of industry. Uh, and, the, and, and the success principles that they lived by to see that success. Initially um, asked by Andrew Carnegie uh, to write the book of Andrew Carnegie's life. Andrew Carnegie sold his business and when he sold it, I think he sold it for $800 million at the beginning of the 1900s, uh, which would still make him today uh, the wealthiest man in the world um, in, in today's dollars. And, uh, and, and he asked Napoleon Hill to write about what he did in order to see that success. Um, and uh, Napoleon Hill, in doing so, also interviewed other tycoons and came up with this book. There's been volumes um, written about <clears throat> those lessons, lots of books that are out there written by Napoleon Hill. Uh, but really, this is probably the, the one that's the most read, the most purchased, the most cited and uh, uh, Think and Grow Rich. So I encourage you, get this book. It's one of the books that I will read every year. Uh, there's about ten books that I read about every year. It's it's a book that absolutely positively has changed my life, and uh, and every time I read it, I get something new from it. And I think it's because I'm in a different place every time I read it. Every year, I feel like I'm growing. And so when I read the book the next time, it's, it, it speaks to me a little bit differently. So even if you've read this book a thousand times, I encourage you to read it a thousand and one. And uh, today's teaching, the major, major leadership attributes, is taken directly from the book. I'm going to show you uh, his quotes, his lines, the things that Napoleon Hill said, and I'll provide a little commentary to kind of put it in today's perspective and in our, our specific uh, perspective. So there's 11 of them. Uh, we're going to go through them fairly quickly. I encourage you to read the book. Again, not a book report here. Major liter- leadership attribute number one, according to Napoleon Hill, unwavering courage. Based upon knowledge of self and of one's occupation, no follower wishes to be dominated by a leader who lacks self-confidence and courage. No intelligent follower will be dominated by such a leader for very long. I, I, I think that, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, in the, in the time that we live in, uh, we have access to observe leaders from around the world on on an instantaneous basis does that make sense like I think that if we were living a hundred years ago we may not have ever heard of you know whoever is head of Russia right now we may not have ever heard of a hundred years ago and and now of course we all know immediately and we can read his tweet immediately Uh, that kind of thing it's just it's it's crazy and so we get to observe uh, leadership instantaneously today and one of the things I feel like I am most inspired by in leaders is, is the leader who absolutely has courage. Now, um, I, I've, I've said this to my boys, and I believe it was General Patton who originally said this, but you know, uh, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is acting in spite of the fear. You, you can't have courage without fear. However, I've seen way too many leaders lead from fear rather than from courage. And, and what, it, what it looks like when someone's leading from fear, what I've observed, is it looks like they are, they try to dominate the conversation, they try to control the situation because they're scared of what could happen that's outside of their control, and so they could try to control it all. And I, I think that every leader at some point has probably been, been, been uh, guilty of this, I, I'm sure I have. But that unwavering courage, going back to General Patton who said that, General Patton was famous for for jumping on a tank in front of his troops that were riding into battle on tanks and he rode in the front tank on the top with his helmet and white star in the middle of it so the enemy would know who was coming. And the people behind him said, the general is leading us into battle. How can I be scared? If the general is going before us, how can I be afraid right now? He's going first. He's going to take the first shots. If you're leading your family, your business, a Cub Scout pack, a Girl Scout troop, whoever you are leading, if you're leading with courage, you're inspiring the others to do rather than just to sit and watch. It's a big deal, unwavering courage. Number two, self-control. The man who cannot control himself can never control others. Self-control sets a mighty example for one's followers, which the more intelligent will emulate. Self-control. I I mean, I I don't know anybody that has absolute self-control. I'm sure there's people out there that do. I just don't know anybody. I got a really good friend of mine who is very successful in business, very successful educationally, uh, and yet on vacation I've caught him devouring a bag of Oreo cookies. Um, and, and he's like the fittest guy I know. I I feel like I I am very controlled when it comes to my time management, and yet I'm not controlled on the snacks I eat after like nine or ten o'clock at night. So like there I don't know anybody that has absolute self control. I I don't. I feel like everybody sort of can struggle with self control from time to time. But the man who cannot control himself can never control others. Self control sets a mighty example for one's followers. So. I read that and I go, well, oh, God, man, I mean, any, uh, anybody that looks at me knows I carry a little extra weight. I mean, does that mean I can't lead other people? No, it doesn't mean that. But but you, if you can't control yourself, then how can you possibly lead other people? How can you inspire them to control themselves? I, I believe that one of the, the major issues we have in our, our world today is that people just aren't taking care of themselves. They're not focused on themselves. Everybody wants to solve everybody else's problems and not focus on fixing their own. They wanna be heard rather than to hear. And I just think that if you are going to inspire others to change, it starts with you controlling you. You have to control the things that you say. I'm, I'm incredibly guilty of doing something stupid and then calling myself stupid. I'm very guilty of that, you're so stupid. I'm so guilty of that. Well, listen, I'm struggling and fighting through and I will prevail on controlling this tongue. It's important. Uh, this 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 weekend I happened to hear uh, an, a, another 12, 13 year old soccer team and and the language that was coming from the bench, that's from the kids on the team. and And we tell our kids like, look, I don't don't have a problem with people cussing. It doesn't offend me if somebody says a swear word or whatever, wherever you are in the country, however you refer to the the offensive words that people use. That stuff doesn't bother me. But the problem is other people judge you by the words coming out of your mouth. And so I'm sitting there listening to 12 and 13-year-olds dropping F-bombs, and I'm thinking, golly, they're probably awful kids. Their parents are probably really awful people. And I found myself... Realizing what we've been trying to teach our kids. I just judge those kids based on what's coming out of their mouth. Guess what? People following you are judging you based on what you're saying too. That's the first thing we gotta really rein in and get control over. Uh, when 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 listen, it's not that and we Heather and I have talked about this. We've got a podcast coming out soon about it. Maybe you've already watched this and watch the podcast by this point, you're seeing this this recording. But there there is this, this problem of of this, this, this thought process of I can't say anything negative, you can't acknowledge that there's negative out there in the world, absolutely you can. You just have to be aware of how you talk about it um, because that can put you into a bad place. You know, for example, if you're struggling with uh, making phone calls and booking appointments right now, don't say, I just can't book any appointments. Don't say that. Now, I'm not saying don't acknowledge it, just saying I am not as good today at booking appointments as I'm going to be later today or tomorrow. I haven't booked appointments yet. Get good at using that word yet because it's not its not condemning you to the state that you're in. It's leaving opportunity for future success. But when you take off that word yet and it's a finalized statement, your brain hears that and it puts you into a position of perpetual losing. This is deep psychology stuff. But Napoleon Hill just said, the man who can't control himself can never control others. It starts with something simple like that. You we we have to get better at controlling our words, our actions, how we treat other people. If we could just treat other people better, they're going to treat us better. It's kind of one of those things how those things works. And and even bigger than all of that is inspiring those who follow us to do the same. Number 3. A keen sense of justice major leadership attribute is a keen sense of justice. Without a sense of fairness and justice, no leader can command and retain the respect of his followers. It's really hard to follow someone who doesn't have a clear idea of what's right and what's wrong. The, the, the leader who blurs those lines, <laughs> eh, it's sort of great. No, man, it's black or it's white. There's It's not in between. It's right or it's wrong. It's not in between. And as a leader, if you set that example, you're going to inspire people to follow you and do the same things. That keen sense of justice is important. I, I, I just believe that there is a right or a wrong. And, and I've had people say, well, there's no such thing as absolute truth. And I go, well, then what you just said is wrong. <laughs> because if there's no absolute truth, and you're saying there's no absolute truth, then what you just said isn't absolutely true. There is absolute truth. There is absolute right and wrong. What is that, Fitz? I'm not. I'm not the one that's going to tell the world that. But you have to decide it, and you have to have that sense of justice of right and wrong. If you're going to lead people, number four, definiteness of decision. The man who wavers in his decision shows that he is not sure of himself. Cannot lead others successfully. I mean, listen. A, a leader who who can't make a decision is the first person that's going to get shot in a battle. <laughs> Like, you you can't make a decision. You're leading your troops into sure death. You have to make a decision. Now, is every decision going to be right? No, absolutely not. Nobody's ever been 100% right. But if I make a 1,000 decisions in the same amount of time it takes you to make one, I only have to be right twice. And you be right once out of one to be twice as good as you. I only have to be right one more time. If, if and it's a thousand decisions i make, and to be right one more time than you It's incredibly likely and just like that we're getting better Now I will say this when you make that definiteness of decision and you're wrong Admit it <laughs> Don't try to cover it up. Just hey, I was wrong. Let's go My bad. I messed up and and hopefully your team knows you well enough and gives you that grace number five Definiteness of plans a successful leader must plan his work and work his plan a leader who moves by guesswork without practical, definite plans is comparable to a ship without a rudder. Sooner or later, he will land on the rocks. I see a lot of people, and they wonder, they wonder why they can't lead people. And, and there's probably a lot of reasons. But one big reason is your plan is constantly changing. And it's really hard to follow someone who's constantly changing their mind right, wrong, or indifferent, make a decision and let's go, man. Let's work that plan and adjust as needed. But let's go. Nobody's inspired by somebody who says, meh, there's a commercial out right now. I can't remember what it was, some sort of sports commercial. It's like, that's that's as uh, inspiring as a coach at halftime who doesn't want to win or something. Hey guys, just go out there and yeah, if we win or lose, whatever. Like, nobody's inspired by a coach that says that at halftime. We're inspired by the coach that says, go get them, man. Let's rip somebody's head off and win this thing. Like, that's what's inspiring. Definitely of plans. Number six, the habit of doing more than paid for. One of the penalties of leadership is the necessity of willingness upon the part of the leader to do more than he requires of his followers. The habit of doing more than paid for. I, I was, I guess... I really have been benefited by my, my dad being self-employed. I mean, he was, he was not self-employed before I was born. But right about the time I was born, my dad became a chiropractor, and he was self-employed. And, and my dad had staff that worked for him in his office. And I, I witnessed my dad picking up trash in the bathroom all the time. And, and I, I just I remember, I remember asking, like, why, why'd you do that? I mean, somebody you know, used a paper towel and threw it just beside the trash can. And, and instead of picking it up and putting it in the trash can, they just left it there. Well, my dad would come in and pick that stuff up and throw it away. And I remember asking him, why why do you do that? And he goes, because well, it's my business. And people look in and see a dirty bathroom and they judge me based on a dirty bathroom. I just pick up the trash, no big deal. And, and I don't know as a kid that I really realized the lesson I learned. I, I think it's just been recently that I sort of Realize the lesson I learned from that of you got to do more than what you're paid for. Is he paid to pick up the trash? No, he's not paid to pick up. He actually pays people to pick up the trash, but he was still picking up the trash. He's doing more than he's paid for. My dad also told me that if you ever want to get a a, a raise, son, if you ever want to be elevated, you do the work first, then you get the elevation. The elevation doesn't come and then you do the work. The, The work has to come first. So literally, if you want to move ahead, you've got to do the work before you're going to move forward, before you're going to be elevated in this world. And, and listen, if people are following you, again, they're going to duplicate what you're doing. If they see you not doing what it takes, whatever it takes, they're going to do the same thing. Do you want a, t- a team of people? Do you want a, an organization of people? Do you want a family of people that are doing just enough to get by? I don't. That's not inspiring to me as a leader of those people. I'm like, I see them doing just enough. Well, dad, I got a C, it's okay. Yeah, but you could have gotten an A, man. Why'd you just get by? Why didn't you do your best? That's, that to me as a leader, I'm inspired when I see people following me, giving their best and doing their best, but it starts with you, the leader, setting that example. Number seven, a pleasing personality. No slovenly careless person can become a successful leader. Leadership calls for respect. Followers will not respect a leader who does not grade high, on all factors of a pleasing personality. Some people have a tough time leading others just because they're an absolute jerk. That's the reason they can't lead others, is they're just not a pleasant person. Change that, you can change that. I just wasn't born with a great personality. You can change your personality, do you know this? Do you, do you know you can do that? Like I, I remember uh, being in a meeting once and somebody came up to me after and said, are you mad? I said, no, why? They said, because the whole time, you had your, your brow furrowed, I like saying that phrase. You had a furrowed brow. I said, well, that's what I look like when I'm thinking. <laughs> they said, well, recognize that to the rest of the world, it looks like you're mad and, and it's off-putting. And so I realized, okay, well, I got to stop furrowing my brow and keep my eyebrows up higher. And I've, I feel like I've, I've gotten better at that now. And, and sometimes I find myself, I'll catch myself going, oh, 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 oh I'm thinking too much. My, I got I to gotta, I gotta change my body language a little bit just because I don't want other people thinking I'm a jerk. Because then they assume that and they they will then treat you like that without any evidence of it being real. Change your personality if you need to. Sympathy and understanding, number eight. The successful leader must be in sympathy with his followers. Moreover, he must understand them and their problems. I mean, listen, I I don't, as a leader, I'm not trying to be all up in somebody's business. But I, I, I do want to, I think it's important to the people who look to me for leadership that I'm involved and engaged in their life, that I know what's going on. Um, I, I love the story of, of George Washington uh, leading his troops in the middle of the winter, and he, he was out and about with his troops and making sure they were okay, making sure they, were, they had an extra blanket if they needed it, making sure the fire was right, making sure they had shoes and, and socks. He was a leader that was taking care of his troops. And so when he asked more from his troops, they willingly gave it because they knew he cared. Now, it, it, sympathy or empathy, I feel like every other book I read changes the definitions of those two. Here's the thing. You can sympathize with somebody, but I don't want you to take on other people's problems. You got your own problems. You don't need to, you don't need to be weighed down by the whole world's problems. That's too much for you to carry, and nobody's asking you to as a leader. But it is important that you, that you are sympathetic to their situation, that you are um, kind, that you, are, that you treat them with respect, that you treat them with sensitivity of the situation they're walking through. And the only way you can treat somebody, you can be completely insensitive to somebody's situation purely because you just didn't know about it. Not because you're a jerk, but you just didn't know about it. So it's important that you know about it so that you can then um, treat them appropriately. Number nine, mastery of detail. Successful leadership calls for mastery of the details of the leader's position, mastery of detail. Nobody is requiring that you are the expert in the world, but it is important that you uh, master your, what your responsibilities are as a leader. What is your job? And, 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 and my job as a leader how I see it is, is my job is to make sure that, that you are competent. My job is to make sure that you know what you're supposed to know, that you're informed as a leader. It's important that you're passing information on as best as you can. Nobody's perfect at it, but can you get the information on to the people who are following you? Because they may need to know it. If you need to turn left and everybody else is turning right, it wasn't communicated. If they, if if you told them to be there, but they don't show, did you really tell them? These are all details that you need to master as a leader. And listen, I don't, I've never felt like I needed to be the the product guru in the insurance business for people to follow me, okay? But I also knew I needed to have a certain level of competence so that people had confidence in following me. Like if I have zero competence in what we're doing, people aren't inspired to follow me because what the heck does that guy know? I know more than him, right? Number 10, willingness, willingness to assume full responsibility. The successful leader must be willing to assume responsibility for the mistakes and the shortcomings of his followers. If he tries to shift this responsibility, he will not remain the leader. If one of his followers makes a mistake and shows himself incompetent, the leader must consider that it is he who failed. Earlier, I was talking about definiteness of plans and making a plan and making a decision, Definiteness of decision, making that decision. And when you're wrong, admitting it. It's okay well you have to have a willingness to assume full responsibility that's my fault that's on me my bad I'll get it better next time but it's also true of those who are following you if my kid is driving down the interstate at 120 miles an hour I didn't it's my fault I didn't tell him that you're not supposed to do that does that make sense and so if he has it's on me if he causes a problem, that's, that's, that's my responsibility as his parent, as his leader. That's my responsibility. I should have told him, well, you did tell him. No, I didn't, because he was doing it. <laughs> so he didn't hear it. He didn't understand that that was wrong. Um, I, I, I don't believe it's fair to punish someone. Like punish, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's fair to punish my kid for doing something they didn't know that they, were, they weren't supposed to do. But once they've had that boundary set in place, now I can say, hey, hey, now we need to correct this. Now you're getting, as a parent, now, now you're correcting but it. But it is crazy to see uh, leaders. Uh, I've seen it in this, in this business where leaders will point to the people following them and say, they did that, that's their mistake. I'm, I'm not responsible for it. Okay, well, you're missing this. You have to be responsible. For example, um, in, in, our insur- in, in the insurance business, uh, if, a, if an agent, we've had agents do this, where they will forge applications. I'm not trying to give you sales ideas right now. <laughs> they, they will sign the client's name on the application. That is forgery. That is fraud. It's going to cost you your license. At best case scenario, worst case scenario, could be much worse. But I've had them do that. And 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 when they come to me and say, did you tell them not to forge signatures? Listen, in the past, I've had to say a couple of times, like, I don't know that I ever explicitly told them not to forge signatures. Some things I just think are common sense and they should get it. It's my fault. I didn't tell them I'll do better. You know, it, and that's all part of compliance in the insurance industry and being good at teaching people the right and wrong way to do this business. But as a leader, you have to assume full responsibility. Finally, number 11, cooperation. The successful leader must understand and apply the principle of cooperative effort and be able to induce his followers to do the same. Leadership calls for power and power calls for cooperation. I often talk about our, our uh, culture here at the Fitz Group as being one of competitive cooperation, <laughs> uh, meaning that we tend to attract competitive people. We tend to attract people who want to win. Um, but, but it's not winning at all cost. Here's what I mean. There's no glory in running the race and winning if everybody else had a broken leg in the race. There's no glory in that. You, you beat a bunch of people who had broken legs. Way to go. Our culture here is one that says, listen, I want to help you. I want to ensure that you're performing at your absolute best so that when I beat you, I know I beat you at your best. And that, to me, is a different perspective. And what you'll see in the FITS group is you'll see agents helping other agents with product questions or or in the home scenarios like, hey, I'm with a client, what do I do? And another agent who has no financial gain in helping, helping. It only works, this business and building a team and building the family that you want to build as a leader, it only works when the team cooperates with each other. It, it, it does not and cannot and will not work if everyone is strictly in competition with one another. I've seen it in the industry and it gets ugly. And that's something that separates us is we help each other out. Now does that mean we it's it's I want everybody to be first place and hey we should give a 12th place ribbon? Heck no, man. There's a first place, there's a second place, there's a third place, there's like there's we recognize the top 10. No, 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 no man. You don't get a participation ribbon. But you also aren't going to get where you want to go without playing in the same sandbox nicely with the other kids. <laughs> does that make sense. I hope it does. I hope this has encouraged you to read this book. Um, Napoleon Hill, I teach from it all the time just because it is such a powerful book. It will absolutely change. Um, it'll change your perspective on your life, which will in turn start to change your behaviors, which will in turn change the environment that you're in. Uh, and, and I think that's what we're all hoping and striving for. So I hope that helps. Um, talk to you soon.